Um, if you've been with us for, in fact, the whole of this year, um, or any point during this year, you'll know that we've been going through a series called Transformed. Um, and this isn't just a random selection of series that Steve's pulled out of his binder saying, oh, what shall we do this week? Um, it's been very intentional to look at uh, discipleship and how we transform ourselves and how we transform our town. Um, so we've been looking at how we give birth to a new culture within our church, uh, both the invitation and the challenge, acknowledging that Jesus says, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Um, so discipling ourselves to be, become more like Jesus and learning to follow him, it involves both that, that invitation, that, that come to me, but also that challenge of how are we going to be changed, how are our lives going to impact those around us, how are, are we in this room going to be different to those that are down at B&Q today, um, and is it actually going to be any different when we leave the room, or are we just going to go down to B&Q and act like the rest of the people there? Um, so uh, it's the invitation, the challenge. At nine years um, old, the church's nine years this year, it's quite a young church, and we can you know, fall into the, to the model of being a bit like a gangly sort of pre-teen. If you think about most of the nine-year-olds in this church, if you'd ask them to come and preach this morning, they'd shy away and say, oh, no, that's, that's far too scary, I can't do that. Um, but actually, you know, we've, we've got a, a challenge as a church to be not that, that nine-year-old um, child, but to actually be having an impact in our town. Um, and we, we carry God's authority and his power. Uh, we're kingdom carriers in this town. And that's why we've invested every Sunday since January in teaching about discipleship. Um, it's really important stuff for us to know our identity, to know where we're rooted, to know what our giftings are, to know that God can use our natural strengths and personality. We don't have to just put that to one side and be, you know, be Christians or something different. God uses our whole personality. Um, but also he reminds us of our position in his kingdom, um, that we're not just, I'm not just Anya, but I'm, I'm the daughter of God. And that gives me access to, to far beyond anything that I could do under, under the name of Anya Willis. I mean, Willis is a good name, I, w- I will say that. Obviously, you get a lot of access with a Willis name, but, but with, with God's name in there, I get a lot more. I can get a lot more done. Um, so as followers of, of Christ, we're called to live in three directions. Um, and if anybody's perceptive, um, they'll know that, that the, um, the Central Vineyard logo has got three little arrows on it um, that's pointing to the up, in and out. If you've not noticed that, maybe every time you see it now, you'll realise that the little bobble things are arrows. So we've had 16 weeks to explore the foundations of our faith. And we've looked at the up, in and out, and actually they all fit together. It's like um, cog wheels that all have to go together. And if only one's turning, um, then everything gets stuck. So we've used symbols from the digital media uh, to help us think about the different areas. If you've missed any weeks, I really encourage you to listen to podcasts. Um, as you can see, there's been lots of different things explored. Um, and maybe there's, there's a few that you might want to catch up with. Has anybody been here all 16 weeks and listened to every single sermon? Been, been in the service? Hopefully, you've not been in the service because you've been serving out in children's work and doing lots of other things instead. Um, so if you've, missed, if you've missed one or two, I really encourage you to catch up. Last week's um, isn't yet on there um, because um, it wasn't recorded, so, <laughs> but it will be. Um, but everything else will be, um, is on there. So with the Up Connection, we've looked at sort of enjoying and encountering God through the prayer, through the Bible, through hearing God's voice and about worship. And that's all about realising our relationship with God and knowing who he is. We, start, we started there because 
anything else that we do, if we don't know who God is in our relationship to him, it's just empty works. It's just good things that we can do if we just do the, the in and the out. Um, sounds like the hokey cokey, doesn't it? Um, sorry. <laughs> um, so let's not just do in and out and do a hokey cokey. Let's look up as well. Um, so we've, we've looked at God's favour and know that that's not based on what we do or who we are. Um, it's based on God's love for us. And that actually, then from that love, that motivates us to look outwards and to, and to be transformed inwards as well. So with the in character, we, uh, yeah, we looked at our character, uh, developing our identity, going through kairos moments of change, um, not just carrying on along the same track. Again, thinking of the come as you are, but don't stay as you are. How, how are we going to be challenged to have our lives transformed? How are we going to be recharged with rest and spending time in community with each other? Um, and being transformed personally. And then the last four weeks, we've been looking at the out, the calling. What's our ministry and our mission? What's our purpose in life? We have a hope for multiplying ourselves, multiplying the gospel, um, sharing that outside of ourselves. Again, if we just did the up, you know, we could have a really great relationship with God um, and be very, very good in ourselves and, and be transformed. But unless we put that outwards, it's, it's actually not, you know, we're not following the calling that God's given us. Um, we're, we're called to bring his presence and his light into all circumstances. So whether that be your work life, your home life, anywhere, it's not about what happens. You know, we've, we have an hour together or two hours max um, on, a, on a Sunday morning. Um, not a lot can happen in that time. So this is about our whole life and, and looking outwards. So Paul started us on the out theme, looking at the equaliser symbol. Um, and looked at how we were all gifted differently uh, based on Ephesians 4, um, all of our different strengths, where, where our natural gifting is. And then the second week, we looked at the volume down symbol, asking ourselves, if we just turn down the volume on everything else and go back to basics, what's our ultimate calling and purpose? How do we go about making disciples um, using both the natural and the supernatural? Uh, and then last week, Steve talked to us about the brightness symbol. What does it mean to be people who reveal the kingdom of God, to be that light um, that's, that's going into all circumstances? And we thought about where God's kingdom is. There's justice, healing, salvation, freedom, peace, comfort, and joy. I sound like I'm singing a Christmas song now. Um, but we're kingdom carriers. We hold all of that within ourselves. And actually, that means that when we go into all of our different circumstances in our whole life, we get to bring those things. We get to bring justice. We get to bring healing. We get to bring peace and freedom into people's lives. And sometimes we forget that we carry this awesome power with us, and we walk just like another human being rather than a kingdom bearer. So this week's our, our final week in, in our um, Transform series. We're on week 16, uh, and we're going to look at the multiply symbol. This is about taking everything that we've learnt um, and putting it into practice and multiplying that in, a, in others. And maybe that seems like a lot to take on board knowledge-wise, especially if you think, oh, there's quite a few I need to catch up with. But actually, it's less about knowing the stuff and more about doing the stuff. Um, now, I'm hopeless at remembering jokes. So if you asked me to tell you something funny, I could probably tell you anything that had happened um, to Pete um, or, or to me um, because I've, I've lived it, I've experienced it. But if you asked me to tell you a joke, it would go something like this. Uh, so a man, no, no. A three men walk into a bar, pub, gastro pub somewhere um, and, and then I've lost it. So 
I'm rubbish at remembering things that somebody's told me or that I've read somewhere. Um, and yeah, I just couldn't, I couldn't tell you a joke off the top of my head. Um, some people can. But when we live in, and experience something, we can remember it. I can tell you a funny story. I'm not going to. Um, but I can tell you lots of funny stories of, of things that have happened. And if we think about how our history, how our um, everything that we know and learn has been passed down from generation to generation, it's all based on experience and, sh- and sharing that with each other, storytelling and role modelling. Um, you know, now we can get a guidebook on anything if you wanted to learn how to sort of web design or... Um, you know, there's an idiot's guide to having a baby or whatever, and you know, you can you can look up and read all, all the information that you need um, to to learn something that's gonna that you want to that you want to do as a new skill. Um, but Jesus didn't decide to sit down and write a book. When he had his um, time here on earth, he role modelled. He showed us how to how to be God in this earth. Um, and he didn't write a book about it. We have the Bible, thankfully, that other people have written about that that's been passed down. But it's quite a recent thing that we've even been able to read our own Bibles and learn that for ourselves. Um, so we have to, you know, we, Jesus role modelled what, what to do, and then that was passed, passed on before even the written word. Um, so discipleship, simply put, is about doing what Jesus did. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to spend time with him, to know him, and to imitate him. So it's not about faking it, it's not about pretending to be Jesus, but it's about living in the authority that he's given us. And it's Jesus even said, students are not greater than their teachers, but students are to be like their teachers. So he asks us to be like him, to do what he did. He gives us permission. In fact, he, it's more than permission, but he gives us a commission to do the stuff. So he is ask, he's commanding us that we need to go and do what he has done. Um, so we've got Matthew 10 here um, no sorry Matthew 28 Um, Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age so we've got here Jesus came to them and said I give you all authority and then he says, "Go. therefore, you need to go, go and make disciples. And then he says, I'm commanding this of you, and I will be with you. The first record of the disciples is in Matthew 4. When Jesus had just begun his ministry, we just see that he's starting to go out um, into the towns and, and tell people about the kingdom of God. And he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees um, some fishermen, uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, and then a bit further along, James and John. And he calls to them and he says, it's recorded, all he says is, come and follow me. Leave your nets, leave everything behind and just come and follow me. And immediately, each of them leave behind their livelihoods, their families, their homes and everything to follow Jesus. Now that's an incredible faith that we see there. Maybe there was a, a bit of a deeper conversation. Maybe they'd heard him speak, but they'd certainly seen something in Jesus that thought, do you know what, I'm really willing to risk everything and, and go for it and follow you. And it tells us that they travelled around uh, teaching, healing every kind of disease and illness. And this attracted people. He gained a reputation and people flocked from far and wide to bring their sick to them. And it says he healed them all. So whilst he was doing this, the disciples were walking with him, being with him. um, And they got to see what he was doing. He modelled practical things like how to pray for people, how to command healing. 
but he also modelled other things that are a bit harder to, to give a kind of, you know, he could have written a manual, this is how you pray for somebody, um, and he modelled that. But he also modelled respect and compassion, faith, boldness, being able to preach in the name of, of, of God, being able to share the Holy Spirit. He was always being watched, and he set himself as an example to the followers. In the same way, people look at us and they're watching us. You know, they watch how we pray for, pray for people, how we respond to the poor, how we show hospitality, how we outlive our faith. And I'm not just talking about those in the room watching each other. Everybody in our lives will be watching what we do, and we're answerable for that. So when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, it says in Matthew 10... Um, that he gave authority to cast out evil spirits to heal every kind of disease and illness. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, give freely as you have received. So Jesus here is giving his disciples the power to do exactly what they've seen him do. They've spent a period of time in his ministry watching him, trying to figure out how does this all work, asking questions, being alongside him and absorbing all of the characteristics and, and traits that he wants to pass on. And so we've gone from Matthew 4 to Matthew 12. In that period of time, he's now saying, I'm, I'm going to be with you, but you need to go and do it now. And he doesn't say they need to do it on their own. In the, in the commission in Matthew 28, he'd said, I will be with you always. We're under his authority um, and his power. So if you think back before the time of, um, you know, if you wanted to represent somebody official before the time of headed letters and email addresses that have got an official email line royal royalty and, and powerful leaders would have had a signet ring so a ring with an engraving on it that they'd have used to put an um, impression in a wax seal to send an official paper and also somebody bearing that signet ring would have been able to have access to different parts of the kingdom um, they would have been give, given all authority as if they were the king it doesn't mean that they are the king. Um, it doesn't allow them to rule independently of the king or to do their own thing. But it just gives them the same access and power um, ha- as the king has. And if you think about it, we've been given God's signet ring in the form of the Holy Spirit. He has given us that authority. We bear his name. We work under his power. So we're not, aut- we're not autonomous. We're not just doing our own thing here. We haven't become God but we have, we've become kingdom carriers. We have the authority of God. So we've seen what God can do, and he's given us that power that we can go and do the same. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that when we accept Christ, we belong to him. That means we become his. We become his ambassadors. And we've got the task of reconciling others to him so that others can receive that grace and eternal life. We'll be answerable to him. It says he will hold us account- accountable. And he will ask us, have you carried my authority? Have you lived under my reign? Have you taken that signet ring that I've given you and gone into places that actually that would only give you permission to go into? Have you done what you saw me doing? So discipleship's not about doing what Jesus did. Sorry, discipleship is about doing what Jesus did. (laughs) Get that right. Just checking that you're still listening. Um, Jesus spent a lot of time with the apostles and obviously um, allowing them to see what he did and building their faith. But there comes a point where they have to do it for themselves. So we see that he calls the disciples and says, spend time with me. He says to them then, right, you need to get on with it. Um, And then we skip forward another four chapters in Matthew and see um, 
the opportunity for them to, to get on with it. Um, so this was a, the time that Jesus has spent preaching to, it's recorded as 5,000, that will probably just be the men, so probably double that if you include the women and children. Um, but over 5,000 people have spent the weekend with him doing you know, a big, big conference and he's sitting up on a hillside. Everybody's now pretty hungry and tired. Um, and the disciples say, what, what are we going to do? Um, you know, if, people, if we send people away, they'll faint and we'll get a really bad, bad name for ourselves. We haven't got liability insurance. What are we going to do here? Um, so he just turns around and says to them, you feed them. Now, they'd seen him turn water into wine. They'd seen him heal the sick. They'd heard him cast out demons. They'd heard him talk about the kingdom of God. And they'd been asked to do the same. And now it was their turn. Now, of course, they completely balk at the prospect of doing that. It's a catering nightmare, even if you had all the right ingredients, feeding 5,000-plus people on a hillside. It's just going to get messy. Um, But Jesus was there right beside them, coaching them to do it, to perform the miraculous. He didn't need to do it for them. He said, you can do this. You feed them. He disciples them to do it. He promises them, uh, and us, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Those who believe in me will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So not only do we get to do the same things as Jesus because we've seen how he does it and we can just copy that, but we've got his authority and he's saying you can do even greater things because you're going to have the Holy Spirit living in you. So doing what, what Jesus did is about having faith um, and taking, you know, taking that step. Now if you, think, if you were faced with that same situation, um, so Sixfield Stadium holds around about 5,000 um, so imagine, you know, we've just, we've just done a big, the Mark Marks conferences at Sixfield Stadium, people have been there all weekend, um, and everybody's come, we've told them not to come with any money, and they're now tired and, and hungry and grumpy. Would you go to McDonald's and order five fillet of fish and pray over it, hoping that it's going to feed everybody? I'm guessing most of us wouldn't, but it does say we can do greater things than him. If there was 10,000 people there, we could feed them with five fillet fish. Um, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing, and I think it's quite easy to forget the authority that we've got in, in God. And one of our vineyard values is everyone gets to play. So one of the things that, that, we, that we believe in in the vineyard is everybody gets to have a go. We all get involved. We all are equal footing. So this isn't about the leaders doing the stuff or following what Jesus did. This is about every single person in the room, and me included, being able to get involved. No one here is more or less qualified. Nobody, you know, if you go to Bible school or um, of of older or younger, it doesn't mean that you have more authority. Um, Jesus promised, God promised that he will pour out my spirit. God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Um, He says that in Joel and then it's repeated again in Acts. It's not just stuff for the leaders or for the older or wiser. He said after this, your sons and your daughters, so even the women who are lower in society at the time, will prophesy. Your old men, you know, the older people that might think, I'm too old to do this, I'll leave it to the young ones. They will dream dreams. Your young men, the children who are in VKs at the moment, even the mini grapes, they will see visions. We believe that this is a whole thing. Everybody gets to do what Jesus did. All of us, no matter, there's no barrier, there's no excuse. And imagine if the disciples, the first disciples, hadn't been willing to do what Jesus did. So once they've seen Jesus die on the cross, let's just shut this down, call it a day, that's it. Then we, none of us would have that freedom to live, live in Christ. None of us would know what he came for. The gospel would have dried up within a generation, and we would 
we would just not be living in the riches of, of his kingdom. So actually, it's our, it's our job to relay the message and not to retain it. We live in a time that's very much sort of each man for its own. I've, um, we consume pretty much everything in our culture without much thought for the generation after us. Um, and church often is no different. I've met lots of people who've come into this church and, and churches in, in other areas and in the past who will say, I'm looking for something that suits me. I want something out of this. But actually, we're called to live differently. Our life isn't our own. It's not about us being comfortable. It's not about what we can get from it. We have a responsibility for those around us and those after us. We, we're not um, intended just to retain the gospel and say, you know what, this up stuff's amazing, God's, God's awesome, and this in stuff's great, you know, I, I really feel like a good person now, but actually that's where I'm going to stop. We need to be doing the out bit. We need to be passing on the baton. In Proverbs 13:22, it says, A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And in Psalm 145, it says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. This is about passing it on. Jesus didn't model to us about a lifestyle that was about consuming and comfort. In fact, he was the complete opposite. It can be a massive challenge to us um, as we seek to be his disciples and try to impact future generations. What would it look like if we sought opportunities to share the gospel and if we considered how our behaviour affected those around us and actually that we wanted to be that light? What about if when we make a choice about where we go on holiday or where we move house, what school our children go to, when we apply for a job, that actually we're being kingdom carriers, that actually God has given us an invitation to walk into new people's lives. It then doesn't become about having the nicest house or the best school or the job that just looks like it's got the best pay packet. It's about seeking God. Where do you want me to be? Where can I carry your kingdom? Where can I be effective? Where are there going to be opportunities? And I I do believe that there can be opportunities wherever you live, whatever school your child goes to. But we need to seek those opportunities and we need to actually not be just about ourselves. That's what differentiates us. As, as Christians, as a church, as followers of Jesus, that it doesn't become about us. It becomes about him and about taking him into every situation. If you think about where Jesus, um, where his ministry led him, he didn't say, right, I'm going to plan to go to that place next because they've got a nice holiday in and that's a bit nicer than a, than a premier lodge or whatever. Um, but he said, I'm going to go wherever, wherever I'm called to go. And if they invite me in, I will preach. If not, I'll shake the dust from my feet. And actually, we get that same opportunity to say, God, just take me where you want me to go and let me carry your kingdom there. Um, and discipleship, so it's about letting that, the good news flow out of us. Um, it's not about keeping it to ourselves. It should be so compelling that once we hear it, we can't let it die down and just stay within us but become bigger than ourselves. This is where the multiplication thing comes in, about it becoming bigger than ourselves and it flowing out of us. Uh, We want to share it with somebody else. Um, And if we... Hang on, I'm going to pause here. Because I think this is a big challenge. If we actually believe in the gospel... We, it's not about sharing out of responsibility. It's not because I've stood up here today and told you that you all need to go and be better people and, and share with your neighbours and things. It's about it affecting us so deeply that we can't keep it to ourselves. 
we'd have an urgency and a desire. And I think that's a massive challenge to myself, um, you know, as well as to everybody else. But just why are we not shouting this from the rooftops if this is good news? In Acts 4.18, Peter and John are told by the religious leaders. Um, they're brought in front of them and they're given a real telling off and said, you can't use the name of Jesus anymore. And they reply, we cannot help but share the, the good news. Sorry, we cannot help but share the good things we have heard. What an amazing testimony. Can we say that in this room? We cannot help but share it. I can't help that it just keeps bursting out and I've just upset everybody because I've just told them about Jesus. You know, I don't think that most of us live with the passion that Peter and John live with. Um, I know a few people who will tell me about things that they, that, you know, they'll just seek opportunities um, and just be desperate to share that in any way they can. But I think the majority of us are quite forgetful of that good news. The good news is that God has stepped down from heaven to be with us. That's pretty phenomenal. We have freedom, we have grace, we have direct access to the one who created the whole world. And he wants us to call him daddy. And if we lived in the wonder of that message, it would be the most natural thing in the world to share that good news. But our passion just dies down and we forget that it's good news. We forget that it's good and we forget that it's news. You know, we can look around us and think, well, everybody knows this. I don't want to be the awkward one that mentions it again. Everybody already, you know, don't mention the war kind of thing. Everybody knows that that's happened. Uh, let's just not talk about it. Um, but this is, this is news to a lot of people in our town. And I'll tell you what, it's good news to a lot of people in our town. The gospel is about restoration of lives it's good news for all of us, but also all of us, all of our body, all of our mind, our heart, our soul, our spirit, our present, our future, our family, our town, God's kingdom. The gospel isn't just about something that we read in the, in the Bible and then keep for ourselves. It's about setting people free. It's our commission, but I'm not saying this out of a sense of duty, but when we look at Jesus' life, if we get stirred up by the love and compassion that he showed, then we can't help but keep it in. Colossians 1, it says, um, it, it says we, we proclaim Jesus to make people complete in Christ. So our, our tagline, I'll probably forget it now, but um, for our church is, Pete, <laughs> yeah, um, transforming there we go. Sam gets brownie points. Joining God in the renewal of, the, of all things. If we want to see lives transformed, if we want to see people's lives restored, if we want to be at, see any transformation in this town, any renewal, then that's about making people complete in Christ. One of um, the reasons why I um, ended up working um, working for the church in Restore. Um, the real sort of passion for me behind that was I worked in children's centres and before that in, in social services for a few years. Um, and I just felt like I could take people down parenting courses and do lots of intervention and teach them how to play with their children um, and listen to them and help them work out their finances. But there was always a point where I could take them so far and, but their lives would still not be complete. And it just gave me absolute joy to be able to work within the church to do the same stuff, but to be able to see people's lives become complete in Christ, about seeing transformation of people's lives. And you know, a lot of, a lot of you in the room 
will not have that privilege within your workplace of being able to literally take people all the way through that process and, and having completion in Christ in terms of a formal setting. But actually, in the way that we live, we get to see people's lives be made complete in Christ because there's nothing to stop anybody that we work with, whether a colleague or a, or a client or whatever, of asking, you know, what's different about you? And, and I want that. So we need to be living lives that, so that there is something different about us and there is that something that people want. So if we're disciples, it means walking with Jesus. It means taking risks and trusting that he's with us. It's about knowing that God's love actually lives inside of us and is available to build up and to restore and to heal and transform in ways far beyond that we could ever do in our own works or in our own name. Discipleship's about looking to Jesus, but also looking to Jesus working in others. So you might think, okay, right, it's up to the leaders then to set a good example. You do, you know, you follow Jesus and, and we'll just sit back and relax. But actually all of us are called to be disciples of Jesus. And in the same way then, others will look to you. Uh, we're called to be disciples that make disciples. We aren't called to make converts. It doesn't, doesn't say that anywhere in, in the Bible. It doesn't say go into all the world and, and make converts. Make sure that they use the name Christian and follow a list of rules. Um, it doesn't say make sure they have that Kairos moment when they suddenly give their lives to Jesus. It says go and make disciples. Go and make people that are like you. Um, if you look at the first disciples, um, they didn't have that, you know, that conversion experience. They were on a journey. And every single person that we have contact with, every person here, every person out in our town, um, is on a journey of faith, whether they know it or not. And they might think that they've made a decision about faith, but they're going through a journey. And you get the opportunity to disciple them. You don't say, come along to my house at this time and I will disciple you. Discipleship is a, um, is a natural thing. Um, we get to witness to them and be example of Jesus in their lives. So you can demonstrate how we love people, how we care for the poor, how we command healing. And this is both inside and outside of church. So you don't think you can only pray for the sick when you're in, in these four walls. Uh, praying for the sick should happen just as much um, with your neighbour that doesn't know God um, as, it, as it should here. Um, showing them how to love will happen naturally um, outside of church. I think as sort of an example, so um, a neighbour of mine who have, we've become quite friendly with um, said to me a little while ago, without, I hadn't talked, I told her a bit about my job, but um, she just sort of picked up things as well and said, you know, I really like that your church cares about vulnerable people in Northampton um, and I've, I've bought a bag of food and here it is for the food bank. And I didn't ever ask her, could you go and buy some food for the food bank? Um, but actually she saw what was happening and she, she thought, oh, you know, there's something, something about this here. I want to get involved. So discipleship isn't just about bringing people forward on a, um, a journey. It's not about just teaching people how to read the Bible or those sort of things. It's about us being witnesses and showing others in our communities how, how to live like Jesus lived. It should be a natural process teaching through example. Um, both Jesus and the Apostle Paul can be used, seen using a series of steps that, of, for, to make disciples that make disciples. Um, it's a process of imitation and multiplying ourselves. In 2 Timothy, it says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. 
if discipleship's to work, then everybody has a part to play. It's not down to Steve and Tammy to pastorally disciple every person in this church. Um, That would be impossible, and as the church grows, we knew that was never going to be possible. When there was 10, 20 people within the church, it was quite easy for them to know everybody and to have that relationship and to disciple every single person. And indeed, everybody will still look at Steve and Tammy and and the way that they live their lives, Um, and that's, that's a big responsibility. But they're not, it's not possible for them to invest in everybody here. So we've created other systems so that everybody gets a chance to have investment and have discipleship within their lives, within the church, to be held accountable, to be challenged, to be encouraged. So that's how we have developed our connect group system with the huddles, so that there's a chance to be in a, in a wider group, to learn from others, to discuss, to, to rub each That sounds wrong. To <laughs> rub against each other and... Um, Yes, uh, knock off the sharp edges um, <laughs> to not rub each other. Paul Bill's got a new idea for an activity group. He's going to do some massage. Um, so that's not what our connect group's about. Um, but to, to rub against each other in the right way. I'm just going to stop saying from. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, and our huddles are about... Um, investing in smaller group relationships to be able to really, um, and we've got little booklets to be able to spur each other on in those questions, but a lot of the discipleship, so some of it's formally through those systems, but a lot of it will be informally um, through our relationships and watching how each other work things out. And I loved it earlier when Kate's out with the children now, so I can talk about her, um, when she came to share something earlier and Esme was by her side. Um, And that's just, to me, a complete picture of discipleship. It's somebody standing by your side, watching. And, you know, in 10 years' time, well, actually, I shouldn't even say that, Esme could come up and share something because she's seen how her mum can do it. And it might be that she doesn't have the confidence until a few years to do that. But we've modelled, this this is how we do it. This is how we can can all have a go. You know, I'm not doing it because I'm somebody special. I'm having a go at this. And Esme's seen that. And she knows, I can have a go. This is safe. Nobody did anything that was scary or weird. And that was okay. Um, And yes, that's an adult to a child. But in the same way, that's how we learn, by seeing what's happening and and having a go. So um, we've got our, going back to our circle. Um, The first process, sort of thinking about this in terms of how you actually pass this on to somebody, if you are wanting others to be be like you, because you, you are hopefully being like Jesus, um, so firstly, you have to be doing something. If you want somebody to, to learn how to do something from you, you have to be doing it. You have to be loving others, caring for the poor, serving tea and coffee. You know, if, if Esther wants to train somebody up to come and serve tea and coffee with her, she wouldn't just say, right, next week you're on. She'd be doing it first of all herself. And then she'd say to them, come and watch me do it. Come and see how this is going to work. So the next step of discipleship is um, they watch you do it. So somebody's observing, and this, like I say, is happening all the time naturally. Um, and if we're teaching a, a task, a leadership skill, a practical task like, like serving coffee, um, then they watch you do it and maybe ask some questions, just like Jesus' disciples did. They watched him and asked questions. And then they do it with you. So in the same way as the feeding of the 5,000, they, they get a go to do it, get a chance of doing it, and you're alongside them. And then they get to do it on their own. So if you want somebody else to be doing something, the aim is they get to actually do it. Um, and you can be behind them um, and, to, and to just be there to give them a bit of guidance, but they get to do it on their own. And then hopefully, 
then they're doing it and they can teach others. So if you think about this in our, you know, in our lifestyles, in, in the way that we live, if we want others to be doing what Jesus did, we need to be doing it first. We need to be living a life that we want other people to be watching. We need to be sharing with them, inviting them to come along and do it with us. Um, of knowing that, you know, the Mark, Mark's weekend's a, a prime example. Everybody's going to get this, probably going to be a drop in sign-ups now. Everybody's going to get to have a go about praying, praying for the sick. Um, this He's the, he's the guy that came up with healing on the streets and has, has got that rolled out across the, the country and probably internationally. Um, so he's going to show us how to do it. He's, gonna, he's doing it. Um, we're going to watch him. We're going to listen to him. We're going to observe. Okay, what's this all about? And then he's going to do it with us. And then, he's, and then that you know, gives, us, gives us confidence to do it on our own. Because if we say, do you know what? This works actually although it's completely embarrassing and really scary to go and sit on the streets of Northampton um, and pray for somebody um, and invite them to come and pray and what will they think of me? Actually, this is our commission. We get to do the stuff that Jesus did. That's what he was doing. And this is our invitation to learn how to do that, have the confidence to do it, do it safely in numbers. We're not just sending you out you know, on your own. Um, but then to be able to do that in our everyday lives and then to be able to pass it on to others. So maybe, maybe today, as you, as you hear this, you might be thinking, okay, so for me, I'm still at that commission bit. I, I, you know, I need to know what I need to do, and actually, now you've heard that, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe it's about having authority, knowing that you've got that authority, that we can do amazing things that Jesus did. Maybe at that stage where you think, okay, I need to get on and do it now. I need to participate. I need to step up. I know there's things that I want to grow in. There's things that I want to have a go at doing for myself. Um, maybe this is a challenge today for you. Of, you need to participate and not spectate, not just watch others do it. It's time to get on and doing it yourself. Um, and how do you feel about relaying that message to others, about passing that on, about others watching you? Um, let's stand. I'm just going to, rather than get the, leash, uh, get the worship band right back up right now, I just want them to be able to engage as well. Um, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and, we've, we said at the beginning, this is a challenge and invitation. And I believe that, that God has spoken to people here today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you to bring that challenge and invitation into our lives. That we'll go from this room changed. Jesus, that we'll accept your commission. God, we'll just live in your authority. We'll know the power that we have in you. We'll believe that we can join you in all things to change the town. That we can have renewal in this town because of you and we get to play a part in that. Holy Spirit, just be stirring right now in each person the thing that they know they need to do, the thing they need to participate in to, to have a go at.
Jesus. Jesus. Lord, let us live lives that are worthy of being watched. Lord, that we are so desperately, passionately running after you. That actually transforms other people's lives. Jesus. 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 So as we've been through this series of discipleship, We don't want to end it and put a lid on it and store it away. We don't need to have taken notes and you know, rediscover that notebook in a few years' time. This is, this is a process. This is something that we need to be working on and being challenged on constantly. But just be speaking to each person here. Okay, I'm going to invite the um, worship band back up, and we're just as we have another song. Don't switch off, don't disengage. If you need to go, that's fine. But we've got a few more minutes. Just encourage you. If God has put something on your heart and starting to jog something in you, uh, we just have a little bit of music in the background. Um, I think for, for some people, um, it's quite, there's quite a few things that you think, I could do that. I think that God's asking me to do that, to follow, um, to follow Jesus in certain things. Um, and I think, but I believe some of that is about prophecy and about speaking out and about having confidence to share in this church setting. So we're just going to have five minutes, just a short time. If you feel like that's you, that God's put that, sometimes you can feel a bit panicky and just think, it's not me, it's, you know, I can't do that. We can do anything in, in God's authority. And if we can't do it here, really unlikely to do it outside of these four walls. This is a safe place to have a go. <coughs> to put into practice things that you've seen so just ask God what is it that you want me to share and for others I think there's things in your life around discipleship that um, you need others to keep you accountable to your thought do you know I just really need to read my bible a bit more and really get to know Jesus more so that I can be more like him or whatever it is Find somebody who's in your connect group or your huddle or somebody else here that you trust and tell them, this is what I need to do to become more like Jesus. This is what I want, the fruit in my life that I want other people to see.